terrible look for the USGA and then emblematic yeah. of the USGA too. Like I love Ricky being I, in contention. I love Rory right there. I love that Wyndham won, but the course, the ticket situation, just meh. At times we're very critical of golf for being too elitist, right? Unwelcoming. And in so many ways, LACC was just a stark reminder of all of that. If someone said it was the corporate open, not the U.S. open. I'm like, bingo. Yeah, I mean, cancel it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. No puts given. How you living, Tony and Chris? It's been a while, Tony. Good to see you. How's life? It's good. We're back. We're back. We, we're back. We, were, we did a show, and then we were off, show. and then we did a show, and then we went to California. And nothing's so we happened. Off. Nothing's we're happened. No PGA Nothing. Tour, PIF kind of stuff going on. No major champions, no big <laughs> tournaments, no uh, controversy there. So, yeah, not much to talk about. Nothing so, speaking of not happened. talking about things, everybody's been talking about, right? I mean, PIF, PGA Tour, some people calling it the live, merger, this, that. You've all heard about it, but let's just talk really quickly. What do we know? And maybe more importantly, what don't we know right now? <laughs> so, yeah. So what we know is that the PGA Tour is, uh, call it a merger. It, it seems to be more like a financing plan, right? Where the, <laughs> right. the right. Saudi Investment Fund, a.k.a. PIF. Public will, yeah. Yeah. Fund the, of Saudi Arabia, uh, yep. Will finance the PGA Tour, have a right of first refusal over any other investment opportunities and things like that. And sort of in exchange or as part of this, all of that legal stuff that was going on disappears. Right. After that, we really don't know anything else in terms of like, how is this supposed to work? What becomes of what is now the Live Tour? How are we going to, are we going to compensate those guys who were loyal to the tour? All sorts of unknowns, including, and, and certainly this is, this is kind of a big one, uh, whether or not any of this is going to get through any of the regulatory procedures and right. you know, the government taking a look at this and going, yeah, how does this smell? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, it's this thing that, is curious and may happen, but um, it may not. So. Yeah, I think, you know, what it seems like we know is always maybe different than what we actually end up knowing. But right now at face value, it looks like Jay Monahan, PJ Tour did a complete 180, right? Basically preached for a while things uh, that were uh, abhorrent, unethical, uh, basically saying, hey, we will absolutely 100% never do business with you. In fact, we'll try to incentivize other people on our side not to do business with you. And what felt like... You are, you are very, very bad. We do not want to work with you at all, now, ever. What? What's that? Billions, you say? I'm in! <laughs> I'm, I'm in. in! Yeah, we're good. I'm in! And so, Forget everything else I said. Let's just sweep it all under the rug. Never happened. Yeah. So there's those dynamics. But what we really don't know is any of the big stuff that people want to know, which is what would it look like? What does it mean for events? What does it mean for players that defected and played on Live, which, again, is not the same thing as PIF. Live is a tour, 
uh, PIF is the umbrella that funds the guys all that of own these it things. and run it and et yeah, live as a series of events. We don't know if or how those players may gain access back to the PJ Tour if they want to or what what that may even look like. And beyond that, we actually don't even know if the deal is going to go through. Like I said, Department of Justice, the you know the governmental organizations have processes for these things to make sure that just because two bodies come up with an idea and an agreement doesn't mean it's lawful, legal, or in the best interests of other parties that get to have a say in the conversation, right? So what I read, Wall Street Journal said, you know, hey, it, 2025 at the earliest, you know, if everything went super smooth, it could take a full year to approve the deal. If it doesn't go smoothly, it will be longer than that. And so what you're talking about is, again, there's a lot of hurt feelings now, rightfully so, a lot of calls for, calls of hypocrisy and things, again, which I think are totally justified now. So in the moment, you have all this confusion, feelings, anger, all this stuff, and there's not going to be any type of real resolution for at least a year and a half, maybe even two years. So that's just a whole nother dynamic to it. So we don't know. We'll fill you in as we get more information when that is, if that happens. Last week, and Tony, your favorite thing to watch in the world, I know, golf. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, Wyndham Clark, U.S. Open champion. We are not going to take anything away from him. The story should always, to me, be primarily about the champion, first-time major champion, Wyndham Clark, hometown kid for me, Colorado boy. I've known him and of him, I guess, since he was in high school, and that should be what people remember most about the U.S. Open. But <laughs> but where's the controversy in this? What? Uh, oh man, it's there's a lot. Like, again, we're talking about a lot of hurt feelings today. A lot of a lot yeah, of this was not LA Country Club was not certainly on TV anyway. And I think if you look at the the scorecards, did not play like what we expect a U.S. Open course to play like. They're supposed to have teeth. They're supposed to be difficult. Yeah, it's it's certainly a fine line between right. you know making creating a challenging course and creating you know nightmare fuel, if you will. Yeah. But nothing about this was like a U.S. Open with with the way the what appears to be certainly being reported the chatter an absolute debacle with the ticketing. Uh, they, they had the ambiance of a live event and not not a live event in Australia. I'm talking about a live event that would, you know, be here in like the US Tulsa or something. Watch. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> just was not. It was not in any respect what we want an Open Championship to be a U.S. Open Championship. Except, except, except. I really did love the leaderboard here. Like, I love Ricky being I, in contention. I love Rory right there. I love that Wyndham won. So, I mean, a lot to like in that respect. But the course, the ticket situation, just meh. Here's my issue with it. And like I said, love the leaderboard. Those players really bailed out the USGA, I think, because had we had a leaderboard <laughs> yeah, that was not star-studded and no disrespect whatsoever to any player that qualified for the U.S. Open because that in and of itself is a remarkable accomplishment. But if you had 
people, you know, not Ricky, not Rory, not Wyndham, not, you know, household names up there, I think people would have leaned more into the fact that, you know, to me, it's like, on one hand, you have the U.S. Open, right? The idea has been to places take like Bethpage, right? And we talk about like public access and courses and, and things like this. And at times, we're very critical of golf for being too elitist, right? Unwelcoming. Um, something that only the privileged get access to. And in so many ways, LACC was just a stark reminder of all of that. It, it, somebody said it was the corporate open, not the U.S. open. I'm like, bingo. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. You can't even call it the corporate open. It was like this privately held... U.S. Open Championship, just absolutely gross. Like, Golf Digest, Joel Beal had the numbers, but it's like 24,000 yeah. tickets, a very healthy chunk of which went to corporate boxes. Right. Uh, a good chunk of what was left over was made available to L.A. Country Club members who basically bought them all, didn't right. actually give them to anybody else because we don't want people right. trampling our golf course. Well, buy so up the movie have like, theater so that you and your family yeah. can watch. <laughs> so like, would you have like 4,000, 4 to 5,000 actual, you know, right. opened up and available to the pores, if you will? I mean, just terrible. Terrible look for the USGA. And then emblematic yeah. of the USGA, too. Like, everything is reactive. So you know that somewhere they're sitting in an office going, well, we didn't see that coming. <laughs> Never occurred to us that these guys would right. buy up all the tickets and not let anybody in. I mean, again, right. just... Reactive, never forward-looking, and what is it supposed to be? Twenty thirty-nine, thirty-six, whatever it is. One of they're supposed to go back at some point. They're, they're on the docket. Yeah. Cancel it. Cancel it. Yeah, brutal. No decision. more at LACC. I mean, the it's not an open venue to begin with, and the way no. that these you know jabronis <laughs> decided they were going to manage it and make it their own, inexcusable, unforgivable. Get them the f out. I'm with you. Matt Janella had a great post on it. Shout out to Matt uh, and, and the crew over at Fire Pit. He said something to the effect of, you know, going into the U.S. Open, I had hoped to be able to work an invite from somebody and to go play because the course does look awesome. Like the oh, course yeah. itself, beautiful course. I would love to Not play. Not an open style course necessarily, but a beautiful no, course. No, but a course I would love to play. And he said, you know, after hearing about the rules, the thousand page rule book and all the regulations. Most of which start with no. <laughs> the vast of yeah majority of which start with no. He's like, you know what? I'd pass. I'd rather go play Goat Hill than have to deal with that. And I say, Matt, I agree with you 100%. You are uh, on the right track there. So, And we talked about story. this when we sat down with Fire Pit, right? How this how this happens is you yeah, <laughs> sort yeah. of create a committee to create rules. And these, these committees thrive on making rules. And so you yes. just get these serious this series of increasingly yes. unnecessary rules and, and again just the fact that the the public for it, the the organization that there was no reports to be want to grow the game right they are the the trustees right. of of golf and amateur golf and public golf and all kinds of golf to just go nah, you know what no yeah. this is this is just this is this is the rich people's open this is the exclusive open yeah we'll uh, next time we go to beth page we'll let the pours back in but Right, we're gonna we're gonna make. This hey, and by the way, you. it's this exact type of thinking that's going to help regulate the golf ball and equipment moving forward, which we'll talk about 
in a second because I want to mention that mailbag, Tony. We had two good questions come out. Of, well, we had a number of good questions come out of mailbag this week. One of my favorite ones, one of the guys, can't remember his name. He said, so, all right, Titleist T-Series Irons. Can you guys just, like, talk about that for an hour? And quite easily, we could. We could knock out an hour super easy. Maybe we'll do a whole episode only on T-Series Irons. I don't know. Which we, which we experienced today, and were, point of clarity, fitted for last week. So we have seen them. We've hit them. We have been dialed in to the extent that, that I can get dialed in anyway. Uh, we are there. <laughs> Just, yeah. But what can, we tell, what can we tell people so, so far about that? Maybe a couple little, little teasers if we can't. Because embargo, stuff's under embargo, which is French for people publish whenever they want to. And we <laughs> retailers get to publish like, before you. Yeah. But we won't have more detailed, detailed information until early August when we can talk about it. But what can we tell people now? Yeah, so as as is typically the case with Embargo, tech details are under wraps. What I would say is, in person, each of the four models that we've seen look absolutely as good, if not better, in person. So this is not... A situation Fair. where photo uh, Titleist photoshopped its way to better looking irons. These right. actually look really, really good. And you know, as I mentioned the time or two before, wasn't really a fan of of the T two hundred. Wasn't really a fan of the T three hundred. You know, one hundred one hundred S look yep. nice, but very simple designs. But after that, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Now I'm like, yeah, I see what you're doing, and I like. What it. are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. That's the first thing you know we can say is they they look as as good in person as they look in photos. And mm-hmm. The other thing, and we we've talked about this a little bit on the Twitters. I put this out with, with all the talk of laugh loft jacking and and how you know it doesn't work. And and in, to be very clear, in some cases it absolutely does not work. We see it in our testing all the time where guys Correct. cannot hit stronger lofted irons in the air. Definitely depends on the design. And having said that, and you and I. A caveat here, you and I tend to be not tour level speed, but no. higher swing speed players. And in for both of us, the iron that we hit the highest, the iron which generated the steepest landing angle, was the strongest mm-hmm. lofted of the four we hit. So, you know, score yeah. one for, for design working as intended. Well, and this gets to my second mailbag question, which was there somebody kind of railing on yeah, you know, when you're talking about distance and this and that, you know, you guys, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. The point was, well, if something has more loft or less loft, again, we're talking static loft. So we're talking as measured on a loft line machine. It's going to go further or shorter because of that one attribute. And it's like, no, you're you're missing something here. So let us help to educate a little bit around that is, yeah, you have static loft, right? So you take that club and we put it in and we measure it. Loft line says, okay, this seven iron has 32 degrees of loft. Okay, that's great. But what are we missing there, Tony? If you only look at that and say 32 degrees of loft, what are we leaving out of this conversation that's super important? Yeah, what, what happens to that loft when you swing the club? How does the... The center of gravity impact the dynamics it impact. Are you are you mm-hmm. creating loft through the act of swinging, right? And that's so dynamic loft, right? So we talk, there are some people that, as they come into impact, actually add loft, right? There are some people that 
trap the ball maybe a little bit better, have a descending, which is kind of what we want with irons. But again, not all of us do that or do it routinely. So that 32 degrees turns into something much less than 32 degrees. Then you have the geometry, right? Where's the weight in the head? Is there a lot of weight down here, like in the back and in the rear? Is there more weight up here on the top? How big is the blade? What is the sole doing? What kind of configuration? How does that interact with the turf? There's all and these things to consider. And it was really interesting in my case, and this, this speaks to why you need to, just because you've been fitted once doesn't mean you're fitted for life. So I've, once True. upon a time, I was a, a really high launch, high spin player. It kind of became mm -hmm. a mid-launch high-spin player, and that's kind of where I thought I was. And we go in for this fitting, and we're looking at the numbers, and and whether, hey, this is a new me, a different me, or just what happened on this day with Titleist, I was I was more of a low-launch mid-spin player. Right. And so my fit my fitting focused primarily on on peak height. How do we get that that height up around a hundred foot? with mm -hmm. everything I'm hitting as close as we can get. That's kind of the number yeah. we were going for. Yep. And I started with, with my irons, especially in the, in the longer irons hitting about 85 feet and crept up 90, 95. And it wasn't okay. until we got into the strongest lofted <laughs> iron, you would think, well, that's, that's not going to get trajectory up. But again, Correct. with that, that lower, deeper center of gravity, now all of a sudden the ball is, is getting up in the air. I'm hitting the window. The fitter wants me to hit. It's coming yep. down steep descent angle right where we want to be spin profile and that's the other thing we assume like oh well if you're with these jacked irons you're never going to get the spin you want and it turns out yeah no we're we're right in the window we want to be now we did end up bending mine a degree weak because in working with the fitting club we think all right maintain the height there mm -hmm. um you're going to get the height your spin's not going to get out of control yep everything kind of coming together and that's that's the other thing too we forget with iron sometimes is you know, this is just like a driver. It's it's a starting point, but these things are all tunable. They're tweakable. Mm -hmm. So whatever the static loft is, just like you bend lie, right? You don't go, oh, yep, this is the lie can. angle. I'm stuck with it. Sometimes you achieve the desired result by by bending one way or the other. And certainly, yeah. I've I've bent weak iron strong. I've been, now we're bending strong irons weak. So there are <laughs> lots of different combinations and ways to do it. And you know, and of Might course, we looked at bit. the shaft, right? Can we play a lighter, softer shaft? For me, that approach didn't work. Yep. You put 100 and 105, 115, 105 especially, I'm I'm everywhere. So I Dispersion need to be in that. that and we're going to talk about that in the range. after show yeah. a little bit. All we're right. going to get into the dip, dive, duck, dop, and 3Ds of uh, dodgeball and stuff. But for me, it's funny, the strongest lofted one as well went too high. So we hit all of them, all of the different <laughs> products. And I was dialed in with the ones I ended up with. And I say, hey, let's hit these other ones just to see. Right? Same shaft. All he did is change the head. And... As at its spec, which was, again, the strongest lofted, um, my peak height was a little bit too high for optimal, and my descent angle was actually a hair too steep, like we would have tried to back that off. So to get into an optimal fit on the strongest lofted iron, for me, we would have had to bend them even stronger. <laughs> so, you know, we'll talk more about that. But Tony, before we get into that, you're wearing a new polo shirt. I'm wearing a new polo shirt. We got some stitch hats on here. I these things are always weird to me. Like people send you products and want you to wear it. Yeah, I actually really like these shirts. Like I, I'm not like a shirt connoisseur. I'm not going to go out and and say 
that I am, but I do like certain things. So very quickly, why I like this shirt, couple things. You tell me if you agree or disagree. I'm not the most slim trim fella in the world <laughs> at times. And there's some of these ones that fit, you know, like super, super little crazy. Hyper little tight, little a little particular. And I also tend to run hot, aka I sweat a lot. And so having a shirt that I, I, I and this is serious, like that's you know, it, it's moisture wicking, but super breathable and then doesn't smell awful. Like once it wicks all that moisture out of you, um Stitch has knocked it out of the park with these shirts. I, I haven't necessarily had a lot of Stitch shirts in the past. Wasn't necessarily was a brand first that, time I, I saw that I like ran to. Like, hey, I gotta have that shirt. But uh, these shirts are super, super solid. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge for for brands you can't buy at Dick Sporting Goods, right? Like, don't want to take a chance on something I I know nothing about. Don't know about the fabric, the way it fits. Uh, mm -hmm. Love the fabric, kind of in between, at least on this shirt. There's a couple different fabrics with Stitch, but this one, and I think it's common to most of the print designs, sort sure. of somewhere between, like the feel is sort of between a natural fiber and a, and a high tech shirt. I think it kind oh. of brings the best of both worlds together. So I'm mm -hmm. lots of, it stretches every which way, which I kind of need. The other I'm thing that I like, Lots as you mentioned, kind on. of a generous, generous cut. I wear large. This is, this is on the large side of, of a large, but not mm -hmm. super baggy. But the nice thing too is they have in between yep. sizes. So if you're a guy mm -hmm. like Adam who likes that medium kind of form fit, likes that yeah. medium, yeah, it looks like yeah, I want people to know I went to the gym kind of look. Then <laughs> then they they offer that as well. So yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I am not only surprised, I'm like super happy with the product, which is rare for you to be that happy with a product. In fact, we got people a discount code my golf spy if you want to use that M Y G O L F S P Y my golf spy all caps. We'll put it. Down below, you get 20% off. Use the code. Might as well do I like it, a good right? print. Our soft good guy, Connor, likes a bad print. So Stitch is more <laughs> on the good print side. More on the good print side. All right, let's do some tech talk. Quick rundown. Right. People can look at this. We'll go through this very quickly. Top five. We got super game improvement iron results that came out this week. Again, this is the category where we are emphasizing, in many cases, as much technology as these companies have to put into a product to help the golfers that need it the most. Top five, Tony, let's go backwards from five to one. Number five was? Tor Edge Hot Launch E523, which is, you know, very much kind of in that hybrid iron vein. Kind of, a mm -hmm. really kind of big, that combo set, but yeah, where we start calling them, I think. Big, big iron. Big, big iron. Play you don't play irons, you play brid. So you have like a five brid, a six brid, a seven brid, an eight brid. But Performance, absolutely uh, fantastic. Check it out. Number four. TaylorMade Stealth HD. Uh, this one's mm -hmm. not surprising to me at all. Mm -mm. As you've seen from our game improvement, Stealth has been a strong performer. And when yep. we hit these at the, at the Kingdom last winter, just absurd how easy it is to get the ball in the air. And they uh, sounded so and felt much yeah. better than yeah. I thought they would. So yeah, I, and, shout and again, out to TaylorMade for... Not taking the stealth iron in its game improvement category and just kind of tweaking it to do something different. This this is built as an independent. I mean, yes, part of the stealth family, but they had their own goals and designs with that iron, which I thought were were very very cool. Yeah, Third this place, was kind of like a really unique design for TaylorMade to kind of go into that. We'll talk about this more, but yeah, 
real real forgiveness, serious about forgiveness, serious about weakening lofts for slower swing speed players, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, Which we saw reflected three. in our third place finisher as well. Ping G four G four thirty H L again the H-L. high launch and and for the again typically uh, for Ping just a little bit different build more than mm-hmm. necessarily different parts compared to standard G four thirty, but. Again, an iron we, we knew we liked anyway. Mm-hmm. Easier to hit in the air. And I'm sensing a trend in this category. And I like it because this has been a spot where yep. we've gone from chasing distance to an extent to dialing it back and going, sort of doing a better job identifying the audience. Like this guy. What do they actually need to play better? What a they shock. Need, they need to hit it high. They need to be able to control it. They need height. They right. need spin. and Right. And not necessarily like yeah let's just get them low bullet distance and let it roll to where it rolls because they'll be impressed on the launch it looks good on a launch monitor and you sell a lot of products that way and we're, we're getting trending back towards a more healthy position for the golfer number two tony callaway rogue st max os as with callaway typically lots of letters in there but a very mm-hmm. strong performance and lots of performance no diamonds What's no that? diamonds but lots of performance for that's right the target buyer which is uh, again another Top end finish for for Callaway in this test, and your number one, the Super Game Mizuno Iron Mizuno Mizuno JPX nine twenty three hot metal. Also, a lot of letters in here. HL, so you know, HL hot metal. OS is going to be Callaway's biggest, most forgiving head. HL in the G four thirty HD is Taylor Made's high launch offering, and obviously, when you look at something like the the Tor Edge with that big. Kind of yes, hybrid design. Mm-hmm. You're going to get high launch, and that I mean that is the theme here is actually helping guys who struggle to get the ball in the air. Yep, get it in the air. So, yeah, we're yeah, going to talk about it. this in the after show. What the HL is going on in the iron space? Ping, something just came across the desk, Tony. This will be a couple days ago now. By the time this launches, I guess. But Ping just came out with something. Give me the give me the quick details. What do we got? Yeah, uh, new but not unexpected. We finally, finally, finally have the missing fairway wood in the Ping lineup. So uh, in stores by this weekend, Ping G430 LST 3-wood. And I say 3-wood because it is a 3-wood only offering, more specifically a 15-degree 3-wood offering. But it's... um. You know, not entirely unique in the marketplace, but it's it's something different. We mm-hmm. haven't really seen from Ping uh, in a while, for sure. If so, ever, what's the per? I mean, based on what we know so far, one, we it, you know we knew this was coming out at some point when we saw all the again original launch stuff of four thirty. We knew that there would be a four thirty LST fairly wood model coming. Number one, why didn't it come out with everything else? And two. Who is this really for, do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. It's always, you know, maybe supply chain. Sure you do. Like that. You know exactly why. <laughs> maybe it's to refresh the market at a later date. I, you know, you're, yeah. you're, depends on, on which conspiracy you want to believe, I guess. But you know, right. bottom line, it, it just wasn't here. But Ping made no secret that it was coming. Sure. So, you know, that, that's Not unlike, right? Not unlike that I... Had a little bit of a flashback to 410 LST, the driver, which came out kind of mid-cycle too. Because at that point, from what we understood, they were really struggling to find a way to improve on 400 LST. And sometimes 18 months, believe it or not, isn't enough to iterate something that's vastly better 
right? And so, yeah. you know, maybe doing some final tweaks and that kind of stuff. But LST in ping parlance is it's low spin technology, right? So my guess is this is going to be something you'll see more maybe out on tour a little bit or people looking that really need to or can benefit from less spin needing that uh, in their fairway woods, something we've seen similar with maybe like one of my favorite fairway woods this year, TaylorMade Stealth 2 Plus. Yeah, I think, I mean, very simply, it's a high launch, low spin bomber. That's kind of where it fits in the market. The thing I, I would point out, I pointed out in the article, you know, that when that type of description comes from Ping, it means something different than when a similar description comes from TaylorMade or, or even Cobra. So we know... Sure. Like sure. Ping is not going to abandon MOI completely. They're not going to go all in on, on as little spin as possible. It's going right. to be a, a playable lowish spin fairway with a dis dis distant slant, but I would still expect we're going to have some MOI in the mix here. Uh, it's not going to be like this, you know, unhittable, woefully unforgiving thing that is for no. tour only in the average. No, 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 no. It's, no, it's still a ping I, fairway. Man. I kind of call it low spin with boundaries. You know, like it's within within that segment, but it's going to cater toward, like I said, that higher launch, low spin kind of bomber type idea. More to come on that, particularly if we get some in hand and can test them and give you. Yeah, some I mean, we should feedback. mention right. So, all titanium construction, carbon crown, but titanium body, titanium face. So, if you wanted to call it a mini driver, uh, oh, I think we can't call. It. I think that's taken, but probably can't. So this is this is driver construction in a fairway wood package. And you're going to pay for that at retail six hundred dollars. Well, and map or excuse me, MSRP MS. actual street price. Yes, actual uh, MM map price or uh, street price rather is going to be less. I presume. I'm guessing around five thirty. We'll have those details by the time this goes live. But yeah, it's it's very likely going to be the most expensive fairway wood from a major manufacturer on the market this year. Which go. is not necessarily something I saw coming from Ping. So a little bit surprising there. But here we go, Tony. You got your running shoes on. I got five questions. Speed golf, 60 seconds a question. No more than that. Here we go. Going back to the U.S. Open. Here's a proposition for you. Tell me if you like it or not. Once every three years, the U.S. Open needs to be held at a public course with green fees of $200 or less. I like the idea of a public course, and I would go so far as to say every other year, 200 or less could be hard to hit. Um, there's a part of me that thinks it should always be held at a public course, but you know, I, I would never miss LACC, but I would hate to lose Shinnecock and Wingfoot from the rotation. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But yeah, this absolutely, this event needs to be at courses that actual golfers can play, and ideally at a reasonable rate. Uh, but yeah, definitely bring the U.S. Open to public courses way more often. I love that. I'd love to hear what people think on that one, too. Where would you like to see it played? Uh, last week, Azinger, Paul Azinger, he got roasted uh, as an announcer. And I, I was one of the people roasting him, full disclosure. I thought he was brutal in, on, on a number of occasions. Definitely off his game. Or maybe that just is his game. It's antiquated. It's old. But Twitter's full of negative thinking and stuff. People have all sorts of complaints. And generally, with very few solutions. So, new rule. If you complain, you got to offer a solution. 
So if I'm going to get rid of Azinger, who should we replace him with, Tony? Uh, that's a hell of a question. I mean, like I said people have been bitching about announcers since the dawn of time. It's gotten worse yeah. probably, but you know, I was yeah. not a Johnny Miller fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably not in the majority when I say I like Faldo, or I liked Faldo, I guess. We have to speak in past tenses now. Sure. Um, He's not dead. He yeah, does. it's tough. I think, I mean, perfect world, right? We have the technology. Why not? Why not give me my choice? Like have, have three guys, you know, Ooh. to choose from. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, I think, you know, when the no laying up guys, that was again, fan base, but mm-hmm. genuinely, uh, generally positively reviewed. I, yep. I, I am shocked to this day that Shane Bacon does not have a job with a, a major broadcast outfit. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think that's criminal. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, fundamentally, like, I don't know what the solution is because you're somebody's going to hate. Everybody's going to hate somebody. Everybody's going to hate somebody. Yep. But, I, you know, talk about Bones. I think Bones did a good job when he's been on. That was well received. And, and I think a lot of these guys get, especially the former players, this is where you see it. They yes. get so wrapped up in – in their own belief of their expertise, what they think they know that, that they're not actually interested in, in data and to an extent reality. And so yeah. I think that's, that's nope. kind of thing. And so as this sort of the, the knowledge of data and strokes gain and course strategy and all of these things becomes more commonplace among the poors that couldn't get into LA country club, it, it's it's going to create more pushback on on these on that kind of stuff announcers yep. who continuously spew bad info. I'm going to throw out two names for you: Brian Katrick, John McGinnis. They both do a phenomenal job. Uh, McGinnis tends to be on the course, but up in the booth, BK is a gem. Another name I'm going to throw out there: Drew Stoltz. Uh, he would be phenomenal. I don't know course. if he is ready for prime time. He is absolutely. He would be one of the three channels. Give me, where yeah, extra, give me, give me it might the be like an eighteen channel. and over channel, but it would be. Yeah. Uh, give me phenomenal. the sleaze channel. Well, and that's. I mean, golf doesn't want to be eighteen or over, right? It wants to be very proper. And but they do want to grow. But they don't. Everything, so yeah, yeah. All right, Odyssey. We got to talk about this one second. The Versa jailbreak, two guys. You got Ricky Wyndham one with it. It's a putter that's what twelve years old. Original design, oh plus or minus that. How would you like to see Odyssey leverage this? They got to do something. They can make a ton of money right now if they want it's, to. It's amazing. I remember they do? we were actually like honestly the last time I was in a Callaway conference room was when Versa came out, the original. So that's twelve years I mean, ago. Woo! Yeah, plus or minus. Uh, I remember. I remember being in the room with Koski when he showed it to us. So that's. Uh, yeah, you know, what should they do with it though? Better or worse. Yeah, I, what do you want to see them do? Yeah, I think they do like a, a commemorative. You, yeah, like a, a limited edition DTC small release. Batch? Don't put it in stores. Small batch. Yeah, we love our small batches. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you don't have to overdo it. Maybe just you know, maybe something on the grip or a shaft lab badge or you know, even something in the packaging. Right, the, mm-hmm. the Wyndham Clark commemorative. You can, do something on Whatever. the soul. You could do something on the soul that doesn't take away from yeah. it. I'm sure they're already well down this path. I'm sure Mr. Sean Tulon and friends have a plan to do that, and I'm excited to see what they come up with. Last idea, collab here. So, as we know, Wyndham wears municipal clothing, which is the offshoot The first startup. major championship victory for yeah, Harry, Arnett friends, uh, Harry Arnett slash Mark formerly. Wahlberg's municipal brand. 
Yep, so Harry Arnett, formerly of of Callaway. I sent Harry a message. I I sent Harry a message, and I said, hey, here's what I think you should do. I think you should come up with a hoodie that's striped, white, black, and the Versa hoodie. And call it the dub. Good idea. Pass or fail, Tony? Would you buy one? They're 88 bucks. Would you buy it? I think you look like you're on a chain gang. And and frankly, that, that wasn't the frankly, question. No. Would you buy it? No, no, I am, yes, I am already, definitely not. Yes, um, you're gonna buy it. No, I, uh, I sure. already, and and frankly, I, I really don't appreciate you taking Harry off the project. I already have him on in the hoodie department. I already have him working <laughs> on something. So uh, if you could just hold off on that and you know let him let him get done what he's supposed to be well, working on for me, I'll, I'll keep you posted. It. I will keep you posted. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the main show for the week. Golf Spy T, Golf Spy C. Find us on the interwebs. All the things, comments, questions, post them below, please. We'd love to answer those questions. And if you're interested, stick around. The after show, more PGA Tour, titles, T-Series irons, and maybe what the HL is going on. We'll be right back. Okay. Another sip of coffee. Here we go, Tony. We're back. Still wearing our stitch gear. This stuff is comfortable as hell. It is. All kidding aside, it's so good. So I was surprised. I was surprised, surprised, but nah, surprised out there. I was, I was optimistic going into it, but it met and in some cases exceeded my expectations, which, oh, yeah. which is I was great. like good. Anyway, all right. Let's talk this HL stuff. First, I said, what the HL is going on? I noticed this in that, you know, we got the super game improvement stuff back. But to me, the bigger thing there is across the board, basically what we saw is that the best performing irons almost reversed the trend that we had seen before of loft jacking, where, yes, there were companies that certainly just took a... 38 degree club made it 34 degrees and said, Hey, look, it goes X number of yards farther, right? Super cheap engineering to just take something. Uh, and what did you say, Tony? Kind of bend it and cock it <laughs> and, you know, get me in trouble <laughs> <laughs> and make it look, uh, make it look fancy. Well, of course, to a degree that can make a club go further, but we're seeing just the opposite. So generally speaking, the players that need it the most, we're getting told that to hit it further, they needed less loft. But now it seems like we're telling them something different. We're telling them that maybe you could actually benefit from more loft. So what is going on? What's yeah, your take on It's an interesting on one, right? It's sort of the uh, idea that every reaction has an equal opposite reaction. And According so to some. At some point, the industry said, let's make everything strong. Everybody needs distance. Everybody wants distance. And, you know, we'll make it big so they get forgiveness. And, you know, that'll, that'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was not fine. Uh, we it saw it for fine. years with our, you know, we don't exclusively use slow swing speed testers in our SGI test. But it's, it's definitely when you look it at it. It caters that speed, way, though, right? Yeah, I mean, we definitely slant it towards slower swing speed guys, uh, and we see it. If you look at um, the data that we published going back to, you know, certainly when we, we gave you the full set of data, if you look at like descent angles and things like that, mm-hmm. no, nobody is hitting that D, so to speak. Like 
they're failing on that number with with just about every conventional iron set on the market. And so we we've known for a while that yeah, some guys, guys like you and me, can activate that static loft and and turn right. it into the type of dynamic uh, launch that we need. But these guys, they in this demographic, they struggle to hit the ball in the air. And so mm-hmm. more loft has has always made sense. And going back to the conversations we had with Voshit Mizuno when uh, Hot Metal HL launched, yeah, it was kind yeah. of those things. Is like, yeah, as as fitting moved from the six iron to the seven iron, right. you could right. sort of hide and mask the deficiencies with with stronger loss. But if you look at how these guys hit six irons, five irons, it's nowhere close to what it needs to be and and so like i said it this has made sense for a long time and it it's refreshing to see mm-hmm. that almost industry-wide here guys are on board going yeah it, it turns out that slower swing speed players do need higher launch they do need more spin and in some cases that is actually the recipe to produce more distance and at a minimum more playable distance right we want it to go up and come yeah. down not to just kind of Generally, just like, right? Generally, there's less resistance in the air than there is on the ground. Is one thing, and secondly, like I thought this part was super interesting, and I think I may have mentioned this in the article. I think I wrote the one on the Stealth HD irons when when they launched. And part of what TaylorMade did, which I thought was really cool, was they kind of got out of the way of like, hey, here's what we think this iron needs to be, and they went and asked the target audience. I know, crazy idea. But they ask the target audience, and, and, and that's not abnormal. Companies do this all the time. But what I thought was unique was that they asked them very, very simple questions. And, and the question was basically, you're going to hit a shot, and you're going to either label it as pass or fail. Because so many of us, uh, particularly higher handicap, mid-handicap, like that's how you kind of experience the game. Like, oh, well, I can live with that. Oh, hit that one good. Like, I think... Playing with my dad, who's in that category, said, so, oh, yeah, that's a good one. You know, and what they found out with this target demographic was that the two things that, that qualified a shot as a pass. Number one, it got up in the air. So got up in the air. You could see it fly. You, that's what you want, right? You see little kids on the range or people that are learning the game for the first time, and they're hitting ground balls, ground balls, ground balls, right? Things are this way, that way. And they hit one and they go, choo! Like, that was it. That was awesome, right? So in the air, and then at the target or left for a right-handed player. So even if if the ball got up in the air and missed 20 yards left of the target, they still qualified it as a passing score. So not slicing. So here's the point. Not on the ground and not slicing. So in the air and drawing or at the target made it passable. Well, what do we see reflected in the construction of all these irons? Those attributes, right? Absolutely. Right? A little bit, you know, kind of the the wide soles, really get that CG low, get it as back as as much as you can in an iron. Again, activating some dynamic loft above and beyond the static loft, get a little bit of offset to help the guys out. Bigger bigger heads, thicker top lines, everything that kind of gives the target player the confidence. And a lot of these guys in this demographic, as irons have gotten stronger over the last decade plus, 
Right. These guys haven't been able to hit a shot in the air for over that <laughs> for period a of time. And as, <laughs> yeah, and as you're getting older, that right. doesn't get easier. <laughs> right. And so right. to finally, for the industry kind of to come together and go, hey, we got this idea. What if we actually develop something that helps these guys hit the ball in the air? Right. To, to, to see your ball flight change like that, to go from, you know, these kind of scooters, if you will, right? Where, yeah. where your yep. pitching wedge launches at eye level. Uh-huh. <laughs> to, right. to actual right. ball flight that goes up. And as I said, then comes down rather than just kind of goes flat and slowly <laughs> descends. Uh, it, it's got to be just a, a whole new world. And I, yeah, it reminds me, reminds me of a guy, uh, saw the course, this is a while ago, but asked him, I said, hey, how'd you play today? He goes, ah, good. I shot six. I said, six? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, that's how many shots I had today that I couldn't hear when they landed. <laughs> and I was like, you know, and, and part of it was funny to me, uh, but part of it was like, God, remember people play the game so many different ways and what they determine to be it, a successful shot. It really is individualized to a degree. So think something like this while that's going to go up in the air, be in the air longer, less of a chance that you're going to hear it when it lands. Right. So good for that person. T-series irons. What else can we can we kind of say about those? I mean, the fitting experience i thought was super interesting we've both been fit numerous times different places different people and yes there are different philosophies i guess around fitting um but the two things that i kind of want to call it that that don't really have anything to do with the t-series irons themselves but is that element of fitting like it became just again more and more and more increasingly clear to me that you know if you're going to invest the money in a new set of clubs, I don't, I mean, you have to get fit, don't you? You should. You should. I mean, it's, I guess it depends what you buy to an extent. It's, yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if you're talking yes, like a yes. sub 70 Tacoma, those kind of, those kind of value yes. brands, if you will, that have, a solid product. If you're going to take a chance, if you're going to buy something off the rack or off the internets and not work right. with a fitter, I think, I think that's where you should do it. But if you're going to go out, I mean, anything forged now and, and basically anything start like nine ninety nine is almost the jumping off point. There are some exceptions, sure. but that's, yeah. that's kind of where the conversation starts. And then if you get yep. into, single piece forgings or even sure you know, multi piece forgings 16 1700 dollars yep, $1, $1, yep. Like, yeah, you want to get dialed in it's almost like buying a car without going for a test drive at that point yeah well and uh, i mean i guess the two things that jumped out to me in during my fitting was things that i hadn't necessarily thought of before maybe this can help people too was you know titles is going to talk a lot about distance dispersion and descent angle right we talk about We've talked about these things before using different Dip, terms, but duck, dive, dip, dive, duck, dive, and dodge, descent angle. They should have five. That could be a great T-shirt. They should, they should come up with something for that. But what kind of resonated with me, and again, talk about those as like three targets. So you have to have a certain distance, and, and more or less, yes, that that there's a big ball speed element to that, right? Descent angle, right? So as that shot is coming down into the green, what can actually hold a firm green? Like if you start getting below a certain number, say 46, it depend, again, depends on the other factors, but having an appropriate descent angle. And 
question that we get a lot of times, like, well, what is it, 80% of, of iron sets right now, I want to say, on the tour are some type of a combo set. People aren't playing, you know, four iron through wedge, all the same one. There's, you know, again, maybe they're splitting at the four iron, maybe it's five, maybe it's six. But where should you split your set? If you are interested in splitting a set of irons, how do you know if it's at the eight iron or the seven iron or the six iron? Question mark. It's all it's it's all in the numbers, right? Am I at what point with this set do I do I need to make a change? At what point in the set am I not achieving an optimal result? And sometimes that's again like a breaking point between a six or seven and seven or eight. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's that choice of all right, where do I go away from a conventional iron to something like a utility iron or a hybrid or my favorite, the seven wood. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is like at, at what point in the set do I stop hitting the desirable windows? Yeah. And for yeah. me, I asked him, my, my fitter, whose name is also Chris, fantastic, really, really good player. But so in our thing, we said, okay, for him, he said, you have to be able to keep five miles an hour of ball speed separation between irons. So we got the seven iron dialed in and it was 118 to 120 ball speed. Okay. So he said, okay, well, five iron has to be 128 to 130. Otherwise, did it? So the iron I was fit into in the seven iron, I did not generate 128 miles an hour ball speed in that same model in the five iron. I said, okay, so we got to figure out, we got to fit this five iron. Now, keeping in mind, we don't want to compromise spin launch trajectory descent angle so we have to keep all those within a window but we got to get the ball speed to where there's enough separation okay so for me that's where it was six iron was fine seven iron was fine five iron that's where we had to go to something that was a little hotter but didn't launch too much higher and once i was able to maintain those fives he was like okay now we're good. So we just let the numbers make the decision. But I thought that was a very cool way to do it where it's like, hey, we're going to keep trying this until does this head work for that? Does this head work for that? Can we use a different, you know, do we take one, like you said, take a stronger iron, bend it weak? Do we take a weaker iron, bend it strong? Does this model just as is work? You know, and then we kind of work our way from there. And that's that's the kind of thing that is very difficult to understand to know to even predict without spending some time hitting the product with a fitter and you know we talked about this a little bit i know this will be something that titleist seeks to address going forward but Mm -hmm. in in your typical fitting environment like not everybody goes and works with the the tpi guys or the the titleist next gen team or even right you know anything along those lines your typical fitting environment is hey here's the seven Right. And if all you're working with is a seven iron, how do you know what a five iron is going to do? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you know if that five iron is 10 miles an hour slower than the seven iron? You, you've got to be able to hit that five iron to then make that determination of, is this five iron the right fit for me? Do I need yeah. a different five iron instead of a, a T100, for example, do I need a T200 in the five iron? Do right. I need to look at a utility club here? Or in my case, Nine hey, let's, let's throw a hybrid in the mix. Sure. Let's throw a hybrid in the mix and see if that gets you mm-hmm. both, again, the speed, 
the trajectory, because mm-hmm. that's the other thing when you get into these long irons, even you've got to be able to maintain that height. Yeah. And if you're not Precisely. doing that, if you don't have the opportunity to kind of test more of the irons in the set, it, it becomes a little bit difficult to understand where those breakpoints are. And I think if you're looking, yeah. Hey, where, where can the industry as a whole improve moving forward? It, it's, they already understand it. So I don't want to say sure. understanding that. It's, no, they get it. They know all the information, acting, the infrastructure. Acting on the fact that a seven iron tells you what is ideal, maybe in a seven, definitely in a seven, maybe you can extrapolate an eight and a six, but as you move you in get up here. and down in either direction, it, it becomes progressively cloudy as to whether or not that yep. is going to translate. And certainly when you look at our iron tests again through the years, we've seen cases where, um, I will generally say, generally speaking, ping is really over the years shown to be the the best at this, where mm-hmm. if a seven iron performs really well for a guy, usually right. the five in pitch, you know, if you want to call it a score, performance score, whatever, they're yeah. they're generally pretty close. There's a natural progression there. Whereas mm-hmm. other brands, we've seen situations where we're oh, getting yeah. really good results in the mid irons. And then it short irons, not off. so good. Yeah. Long irons, maybe complete trash. And so we, we yep. know. One club is probably not enough and definitely not enough for every golfer. No, and it's like you said, you mentioned ping. And when we were down there uh, talking with Marty, and he was kind of showing us some of the advanced stuff of this co pilot program where, you know, they can extrapolate a lot of information on certain swings, right? And it's basically predictive analysis, right? They're using algorithms to figure out hey, AI. AI, woo, here's where you should split your set. If you hit it, da da da, and okay, boom, there you go. Um, if this is what you do with the seven iron, here's where you should maybe think about a hybrid, like you said, or that. And now, obviously, the best thing would be to hit those clubs if you can. But if they can take information and extrapolate it, like you said, instead of from this far from a seven iron and they can do this and they're able able to look at that and say, OK, in X thousand of other fittings, a person that had a seven iron that did this ended up optimally fit into irons three, four, five, or hybrid and wedge here. And we can take all that information and use it and leverage it and then continue to update it with more and better information. Then maybe you can get to a point where you can really dial somebody in, you know, with a few clubs, but, but I agree with what you're saying that had I not had the opportunity to hit a five iron, in the club I ended up going with in the five iron. I don't know. I can't say for certain that's where I would have ended up because who knows? Then hit it. So yeah, that's interesting. Last question for the day, Tony in a year. So you go into a little time capsule, go to sleep, little nappy time for Tony. Uh, Sounds good. You wake up, right? It's the end of June, 2024. Tony's back. What does this PGA tour PIF Saudi situation look like 12 months from now, where are we going to be? Assuming, assuming assume it goes whatever through, you want, you're, you're playing. Prognosticator. Every, yeah. So I, I, I'm not convinced that it goes through. So we could be nowhere or in the land of. Confusion, so make a prediction. So it doesn't go through. You don't think. I, I don't think so. Not without some additional constraints, clarity, et cetera, et cetera. I think this one's. I think this one's going to be very hard to get through, but I'm not an expert on this. It just, there's nothing about it feels like it's going to pass the sniff test. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and especially when, if and when the PGA Tour decides that maybe it should get some real input from the players, uh, I think that's going to that's gonna be a monkey wrench. But I, I do think if all those hurdles overcome, I think live goes away. There's no reason for it, no need for it. Um, so that would be, I, I think that's probably, you know, that, that would be my prediction is, is the end of the live tour. Um, mm-hmm. Again, the Saudis. They just want it in golf. They don't care about live. They don't care about the no. live players. Pawns. Pawns no, means my... to an end, and we have reached that end one way or another. I, like you, am not a legal expert. I do not pretend to be one on TV. I didn't sleep at Red Roof Inn. Holiday Inn any... Express. Yeah. I didn't sleep at any of those last night. So I'm saying this with absolutely zero legal authority whatsoever. My question is with antitrust laws, right? The whole idea is that monopolies tend to be not okay. Uh, They are okay in some situations, certain permutations, but how would taking several worldwide tours, bringing them all under one umbrella and unifying professional golf all under a single umbrella, more or less concentrating professional golf in one organization, how is that moving away from monopolization and towards increased competition. That part, I don't, like I said, I need somebody to explain that to me, why that, just from a legal standpoint, I don't care about where the money's coming from or who's involved or this, that, or whatever, you know, government gets involved all the time, you know, blocking mergers of things if they feel like it would decrease competition to a level where, it wasn't competitor friendly. I, bringing all that together in one space, it, to me, that feels a lot like you're moving away from competition and towards consolidation. But again, full disclosure, I, that's just my thing. So that's where I think in a year from now, I don't think we're going to be any further ahead than we are right now. I think it's going to be similar with maybe a couple additional points of clarity of things they would maybe like to do. But, you know... That's how it goes. It goes nowhere. Anyway. Goes nowhere. And speaking of going nowhere, we're going somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where we're going, but maybe we're going nowhere too. I have no idea. We'll be back next week with more, always with more. If you have questions, post them below. Reach out. Let us know what we can do. I hope you. Golf Spike T. Golf Spike T. See you until next week. We out.